Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hey, Headbangers, it's me, D. Snyder. Yeah, you know me. And you're listening to Talking Metal. Yes. Hey, what's up, Headbangers and Freaks? It's Jason McMaster, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hey, it's Mark Striegel, and welcome to episode 936 of the Talking Metal podcast. I'm so glad you're joining me here today for another episode of this crazy thing that keeps going and going and going. And of course, that is the Talking Metal podcast. Man, 936 episodes. If you would have told me way back when that we were going to hit 936 of this, I would have never believed you. And uh, even though I'm, I'm right here right now recording episode 936, it, it's still rather unbelievable. But we have a great episode for you today with D. Snyder, a guy I tried to get on the podcast for like 14, 15 years and couldn't get him. Then I got him. And now like a year and a half later, I got him again. So there we go. You can't complain about D. Snyder, one of my favorite front men of all time. He is back here on Talking Metal with a brand new interview today, and he's got a lot of cool stuff happening this week, actually. So he's going to tell us about that, and hopefully you guys will uh, tune into his live stream and pick up his new record. That stuff is all happening this week. And then Jason McMaster, another great vocalist, a guy whose pipes are, are just so good. He's got the range, but he's got that tone and color that I I love, too. And he is here talking about the new music he's doing with my good friend, Dan Lorenzo, which is under the Cassius King title. That's the artist. And it's great, man. It's really, really good stuff. And we'll have links up to that where you can hear it in today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. And I also want to remind you, my main site that I I think is the best place to stay up to date on everything I'm doing is MarkStriegel.net. The Talking with Mark Striegel podcast is currently in hiatus. I'd like to bring it back, but I'm just, I'm honestly too busy. I'm working a day gig. I'm doing Talking Metal and it's just been crazy. So 
I'd like to bring that back at some point, but but right now it's just this, and who knows? Maybe I'll squeeze in an episode here and there of of talking talking rock with Joey Haney. Um, so let's do this. Let's thank the patrons. We have over fifty of you guys now, and when I do get to sixty patrons, what I'm going to do is because it just is getting a lot, and it's a lot to ask people to listen through all these names. But I may go to like an every other week thing that I mention you guys and do like 30 per episode. But right now, until we hit 60, I will continue to name drop you guys each and every episode. And you guys are the uh, the true backers of what I do. And anyone who's listening to this who wants to just show a little love, $2 a month, man, gets you a bonus podcast every week. And it helps me out. $5 a month gets you that bonus podcast and a Talking Metal t-shirt. And it's uh, that's what you do. You support me on Patreon. I'm really going to try to give a push to the Patreon page again because we were adding so many people. And now, man, I, I guess we lost a person because I thought we should be at 53, but apparently we're at 52. All right. And uh, it's 52 awesome, awesome people. And they are. Sam Warwick, Davin Gunter, Kado Yogava, Adrian Kuzik, Dane Damage, Madison Hatter, Seth B., Alan Janssen, Hank Reeves from Dash Vodka, John Simpson, Huckney Jacobson, John Barron, Ed Ferguson, Denny Striegel, Patrick Sabin, Jerry from Salt Lake City, Blue Walsh, Victor Guzman, Glenn Watson, Gene Eugene DX, Sean Richmond, Mario Charantz, Andrew Miller, who DM'd me and said he likes the new Iron Maiden song. I'm with you, Andrew. It's good. I, everyone's complaining about it. It's Maiden for, for F's sake. Uh, you got to love it. I, I welcome anything those guys want to give us. And I thought it was a great song. Video is killer, man. But uh, thanks for your DM on the new Iron Maiden. Andrew Miller and Mark Striegel dig the new track. Jeremy Weltman, Chris Riley, Johan Erdestrom. Steven Rodriguez, Tommy Anderson, Gregory Muse, Kenny McCrimmon, Leo from Alaska, Brad Dahl from Utah, Dan Gurawan, of course, Victor Ruiz, who does the bonus podcast with me each week on the Patreon page for all you patrons to hear, Jerry from Long Island, Sam Supi, Drake, Matt Carroll, Joe Ryan, Jason Seth, Stephen Saylor, Ron Keel, Jean-Francois Blah, Anthony Mackey, James Bennett, David Gray, Fred Rutz, Michael Street, Mike Jones, Stephen Hoker. Wait, did I say Stephen Hoker? Steve Hoker. Steve Hoker. John Beauvoir and the longest running patron, the marathon supporter of Talking Metal, Metal Dan, who is out there in California, I believe. Thank you to all you people. Now, let's get into the episode with Dee Snyder and Jason McMaster. Yes, a couple really great interviews, and I'm not going to spend too much time BSing here at the top. We did a full podcast episode, last episode, with Victor Ruiz and I BSing, so I will just uh, let my guests do most of the talking on this episode. Um, Did want to mention, when we get to 100 patrons, we will do a bi-weekly video show. Also wanted to mention that I got the vaccine 
My wife got the vaccine. My 12-year-old son got the vaccine. We're doing great. We're psyched. And I've been vaccinated for almost six months at this point, fully vaccinated because, you know, some people thought I cut the line. That was the big controversy back at the beginning of the year. Uh, And now I know there's some people who, you know, you're a little hesitant to get the vaccine. And I, I can't say that I fully understand it, but yet I do understand it because this is something new. This is something unknown. These are unprecedented times, as they say. But I can tell you that I had no side effects. I feel great. I feel, you know, I'm, I, listen, I, I jog four miles a, a day. Uh, what I do is two days on, one day off. I feel like the best shape I've been in since I was in my 20s, honestly. I eat well, and I, those are other things that can protect you against COVID, by the way. No one wants to mention that, you know. <laughs> Take care of yourself and, and get the vaccine. I mean, let's get concerts going again. I, I think... Uh, Obviously, it's a choice you got to make on your own, you know, but instead of listening to the podcasters, I'd go talk to your doctor about it. And uh, yeah, so having said that, I will shut up about that. And let's talk about a show I watched last night. Been a lot of press on this. The Woodstock 99 documentary. It's on HBO. I watched it last night and everyone is saying how great it is and all this stuff. And I just wanted to give a slightly different perspective on this. It, I feel like, is another one of these things that tries to justify, well, not really justify, but explain what happened and uses false ideas to what happened at Woodstock 99. And I will say I have some friends who were performers at Woodstock 99 who thought it was just an amazing event. I have another friend who claims it's the best concert he's ever been to. And yet in the press, we, we've really demonized this thing. And sp- specifically in the documentary, no surprise, Fred Durst is demonized as somehow being one of the, uh, the people that really caused this thing to go off the rails. And also in this document, documentary, I'm sorry, tongue-tied tongue there, Anthony Kiedis of the Red Hot Chili Peppers is also demonized uh, for doing the wrong thing. Listen, I don't think anything but poor planning caused this thing to go off the rails. In this goofy documentary, I'm there, there I said it, this goofy documentary, which is all high on its horse, blame this, blame that, you know. They say, well, Columbine and Monica Lewinsky, you know, being treated bad by Bill Clinton and the Girls Gone Wild videotape, that all this stuff somehow (laughs) played into the riots at Woodstock in 99. And listen, it's so freaking stupid you, none of this stuff played into the riots at Woodstock it did not it did not what happened was you put on some aggressive bands corn limp biscuit rage against the machine and you attracted a lot of testosterone let's face it it was mostly white dudes probably age 15 through 30 that was that was most of the 350,000 people that were there and you play some freaking 
music that whips these guys into a frenzy. You know, it's it's tribal. Music is in our blood. It, it could have really been any kind of music, but you you whipped these guys into a frenzy with corn. And I mean, Jonathan Davis describes it as one of his most intense shows ever. These guys were all whipped into a frenzy. So that's A. That's one one thing that that they should have been prepared for. Some of these songs are are, you know, Killing in the Name of by Rage Against the Machine. One of These Days by Limp Biscuit. I mean, these these are songs that are powerful songs, whether you like them or not. And I know some people are out there, oh, Limp Biscuit suck. I get it. You don't like Limp Biscuit, that's fine. But but these are, are songs that connected with people and made them mm, made the adrenaline just swell inside them. And that's maybe that's a good thing. Maybe you can listen to this music and get your angst out instead of getting in a fight on the street, you know? So what happened was there were, they didn't have enough security. They should have known, okay, we got these bands that are going to rile these people up. We sold a shitload of tickets. We're going to need massive, massive crowd control. They didn't have it, obviously. And if they did, they, the crowd control was not doing its job. That's the second thing that added to some stuff getting broken, some fires, and unfortunately, some deaths and rapes, which are definitely nothing to put mildly or lightly. The third thing is you fed these guys beer all weekend. Three days straight of beer. Beer was the same price as water, apparently. The free water, which there were fountains, was yucky and and wasn't as readily available. So that, you know, they, they screwed up with that. And that's what caused this thing to go off the rails. It had nothing to do with the Girls Gone Wild videotape of the 90s. It it didn't. It had nothing to do with anything else except poor planning. And like I said, I know people who went to it who thought it was the greatest thing they ever experienced. So I I really think the majority of it was security. You're going to put 350,000 dudes in, in a abandoned army base or whatever it was, air force base in upstate New York. And you're going to book the biggest selling aggressive rock bands of the day, whether you like them or not. I happen to like most of them. Corn, Rage Against the Machine, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Limp Biscuit, Metallica, Megadeth. Yeah, man. I mean, that, that you better be ready. Because that is some music that is going to whip some people into a freaking frenzy, especially when they're high and freaking drunk out of their minds. So to have a documentary come out on HBO in 2021 and try to pull in all this other stuff that was going on in the world and in society and somehow tie that into Woodstock is a false narrative. It truly is. And I hate shit like this, man. You see it all the time in these documentaries. It's a producer and director doing these documentaries that are trying to 
influence your mindset. I couldn't stand some of the talking heads they had in this documentary. And, you know, even, even, you know, they made a big deal that, oh, no one barely, there were barely any arrests and that the, the, the cops treated the people nice because they were, you know, white and white privilege. They get into all this stuff. I, I, and is white privilege a thing? Yeah, of course I get it. It is for sure. But at Woodstock 99, was that really a thing? The place where sewage was overflowing? My, my phone was ringing there, so there there was obviously an edit. But yeah, I was just, it, it's the, the documentary to me, it just annoyed the shit out of me. And I think... There were some good performances at Woodstock 99 and some true mismanagement, but trying to pull in other cultural elements that were going on, you know, Bill Clinton disrespecting Monica Lewinsky somehow played into the riots at at Woodstock 99 is absolutely ridiculous, in my opinion. So I don't recommend it. I don't recommend it. That's my review of Woodstock 99. There you go. Cool. So let's uh, let's do this. I, I do want to just say, if my wife and I love music documentaries. I'm a, I'm a music documentary snob. A lot of them I don't like. But when I get a good one that I love, I love it so much. And I, I enjoy even the ones that I have issue with. Even Woodstock 99. I kind of do enjoy watching them even if they irritate me at times. I, I just love music. I love watching music documentaries of all kinds. You know, primarily rock, but uh, I'm, I'm down with any type of music documentary. So if there's any, you know, pop, rock, old classic rock. Somebody told me I got to check out The Grateful Dead. I don't, I'm not a Dead fan. I mean, I like one or two of their songs, but somebody told me the documentary is great. So maybe I should go back and watch that. Let me know. Hit me up on Twitter at Talking Metal and just be like, Mark, one of my favorite music documentaries was this or this, you know, and we will probably watch it because we love music documentaries. And it, the only thing that drives me nuts is sometimes people are like, you got to watch the this documentary. And I can't, I got Hulu, I got Netflix, I got Apple TV. If I can't find it on any of those main platforms, it does, uh, I'm not going to watch a documentary on my phone. I just can't do it. If it's on YouTube, I can stream it on my, my TV. But my wife and I, we get in bed, we have a drink, we hang out, we watch a documentary. It's kind of our thing. We're not going to sit. I just can't sit there and watch a documentary on, on my freaking laptop. Uh, yeah, so there. I want to see this documentary about the uh, the person from Life of Agony who transitioned, but I, I can't seem to find that anywhere. My wife wants to watch it too. But anyway, all right, let's do this. This is Mr. D. Snyder. Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal. And what an honor. Once again on the podcast, D. Snyder. D, how are you, man? I'm doing great, Mark. You know, after working on this record for many, many months, it's great to finally start have people hearing what's, what we did and uh, getting responses. And you always got your fingers crossed. You, know, you start with like, oh, this is a great idea. Real inspired. You get in there. And, oh, this is really coming out cool. And then somewhere along the way, 
it becomes a question mark. Is this really coming out cool? Right. No, uh, it's is coming this a out cool. <laughs> you know, doubt creeps in. And uh, so now finally hear people are hearing it and going, oh, yeah. All right, good. Yeah, they're getting it. They like it. And it was as cool as we'd hoped. Yeah, it is rocking. And man, it starts off with the great song, I Gotta Rock Again. Let's talk about this song. Can you tell me a little bit about this specific song? It really was the inspiration for the entire record. Well, there were a few flashpoints, honestly, but um, I, I haven't written anything since uh, 95, 25 years. Wow, wow. Second Widowmaker record, I virtually have not written a thing. And um, I always would work with song titles. I would always have a list that I would carry with me. And when I wanted to do some writing, I would use a list. The titles would inspire the song and the words. And 25 years ago, I don't know what happened to that list. Probably this, the titles wouldn't have related to me today anyway. Uh, so I was in the middle of COVID, like everybody, and I just had the thought, man, I got to rock again. I, and I said, I chuckled and I said, wow, there was ever a D. Snyder song title. That's it. The guy said, you can't stop rock. I want to rock. I believe in rock. Bad boys of rock. I'm rock, 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 rock. And I wrote it down. I got to rock again. And I laughed again and I said, this is probably what everybody's feeling right about. Right, that. right. And that's what I wanted to get into, because to me, when I heard it, you know, I'm a guy who goes to concerts all the time. And it was just like I was like, yeah, this hit me. This emotionally hit me, you know, and and I'm so ready for concerts to start up. I don't know if it's the right time for them. I thought it was. And now I'm like scratching my head again. <laughs> but uh, I've got yeah. one or two things happen. I've got a live stream we'll talk about in a little bit. Yes, coming yes. The vaccinated and, and uh, tested audience. But uh, which is really exciting. My first show over two years, almost two years, I should say. But yeah, I, I think that I think it's going to take a little longer before we really get this. I think 2022 is when we'll see the true return where we're not like second guessing ourselves, you know. So do you think some of these bands that are going out, it's you think it's a little premature then? Look, it's, it's their personal choice. But I see that, um, you know, I know that like different depending on what state you're going to. Uh, it's affecting the attendance and who's going to be there. And, you know, and, and plus we're seeing spiking. So they're booking tours and, you know, the Tokyo Olympics is, looks like it's being canceled. You know I mean? So I, I'm just saying, you know what? I don't want to go through all that trouble, set all this up. I've already been through this with a lot of dates with some things I do. I said, I'd rather wait till it settles and then make plans. So, but I want to be there in 2022. I want to be there singing. You can't stop rock and roll. Right. right Meaning I never thought it would have. I wrote that song in my twenties. It was the late seventies. It was about my bosses, my teachers, my parents, you know, it was a rebellion song. You can't stop rock and roll. I never even thought that something would happen that would literally stop us in our tracks. So I look forward to singing that with a, with an audience like behind me, like that, like that. So with a fist in the air, you can't stop rock and roll. Yeah. I mean, I remember one of my first concert experiences, I've told you this before, was Twisted Sister opening for Iron Maiden. And I just remember if you got a fist, put it in the air. That's what you said that <laughs> exactly, night. Exactly. And, I, and I'll be doing that song on the live stream. And I know there will be a dry eye in the house. I mean, people, I mean, everybody's just chomping at the bit to some normalcy. And, you know, I said, look, if it takes uh, vaccinations, the pro-vax, if it takes testing, that people can go into this and we picked a smaller venue. So it'll have some energy, about a thousand people right. there. And, you know, I want that. I don't want to stand in front of a crowd that's socially distant and, you know, and, and 
yeah, you feel like you, you feel like you're like crazy if you shout on your own. I've done that before, by the way. Yeah. I, wait, if you, you're like going to a comedy club that's empty, it's tough to laugh because you seem like a lunatic by yourself, <laughs> laughing alone. <laughs> right. You know, right. people. That's part of the energy is that kinetic. We're all together in this moment, and so I, the live stream will have that. Yeah, but I want my concerts to all be like that. And the live stream, guys, is happening this Thursday. We are posting this on on Tuesday. So two days from today, you will be able to see D do a live stream. And tickets are available at metaldepartment.tv. We can expect some twisted classics, I'm sure, yeah, in the I mean, set I'm, list. You know, I'm solo now, and I've and I uh, I'll, I'll share a couple of little things with you. Uh, but you know, for sure, uh, you know, plays because it's to promote the new album. Napalm was like, "Look, you're not touring. Can we do something?" I said, "Well, let's do a live stream." So there's songs from the new record, songs from my solo career, but I can't. I mean, my legacy is my pride and joy. I wrote those songs. So right. I got to play under the blade. I got to play burn in hell. We're not going to take it. You know, I think people will be waiting for me at the back door. <laughs> with yeah. a gun. And say, hey, <laughs> get back up on that stage and play. We're not going to take it. Yeah. You ain't leaving yeah. down without right. it. So, uh, right. and I go, yeah, well, I got a gun too. So yeah, um, <laughs> have a shootout in the parking lot. Uh, kidding people. So, you know, I got to play a certain amount of Twisted and I love it. I'm proud of it. Right on. And the band you have, I mean, it almost feels like it's it's Twisted on steroids when you play these uh, these classic tunes. Can you talk a little bit about who you're playing with now? Well, you know, it started as a backing band. It started as Sidemen. Uh, I was going to do live shows for the love of metal. I need a band and and I utilized some of the people I worked with in the studio. And then I they auditioned people, got other people. And then we were doing shows for about two years. Um, and somewhere around the middle was my wife, Suzette, who's been with me 45 years. And she's seen it all from the sublime to the ridiculous, you know, uh, the massive tens of thousands of people coming to see me to being her and Eddie Ojeda's wife, Clara, who he's still with being the only two people in the club and going out and standing in front of us because there was nobody there for Twisted Sister. And right, just right. Clapping. Only your girlfriends are there because nobody wants to see the band. So she'd been through it all. And uh, she came back about a year into the first uh, playing with the band. And she said, you know, they don't look like much. Now, Suzette used yeah. to do all the hair and makeup and costume. She likes that old school right. rock and roll look. You know, these guys are new school guys. And she said, they don't look like much, but your band kicks ass. Yeah. And she didn't say those guys. She said, you're banned. And I sort of looked, I said, yeah, you know, they really do. When did it become a band? It is a band. And and so when it came time to do this album, it was like, no session guys. No, you know, I mean, it was great to have great people come in and play, but I got a band. They're playing on the record. This is D's band, D Snyder's band. Oh, right that's, oh that's yeah. Charlie Belmore. Charlie, the riff monster Belmore, who I co-wrote all the songs with him and Jamie. Nikki Belmore, the drummer. His brother, who is the engineer and mixer, an incredible sounding record. He's amazing talent. You know, so for people who think drummers are stupid, you don't know Nicky Belmore. Um, uh, Russ Pizzuto on bass guitar. He used to be the roadie for Mark the Animal Mendoza. Oh, wow. Bass tech. But interestingly, Mark was um, the bass player before Mark Mendoza. Mark was his tech. Wow. So, okay. Like, so so <laughs> yeah. Mark replaced the bass player he was teching for and Mark's tech replaced Mark. Uh, wow. And, uh, and then, uh, then, uh, then Nick Taz Petrino is the other madman on guitar. I mean, I got some shredders on guitar. I love what they do. 
Yeah, the guitar work on the album is awesome. Another song on the album I did want to give a shout out to, Time to Choose. Just fierce, fierce vocals going on. You have some some guest vocals on that song, right? Can you talk about who joins uh, you on that uh, song? So uh, we were recording Time to Choose. And interestingly, Time to Choose was, uh, we had done 12 songs. The album was done. Napalm said they wanted a bonus track. You know about bonus tracks, Mark. You know, uh, they said uh, for, for the Japanese, right. import, you know, whatever. So we wrote Time to Choose. Very hard, very heavy, one of the most aggressive songs. And we're recording it. And as we're in the process, the song is taking on a life of its own. And I was tracking the vocals. And in between takes, I said, you know, be great on this, George Fisher. And Jamie goes, George Corpse Grinder Fisher? Like, I'm thinking maybe I'm referring to some guy from a right. 70s band right? <laughs> right, right, or maybe right. my accountant george fisher right, right. <laughs> you want to get your accountant on the song so uh i said yeah corpse grinder like like he was stunned he goes ogd he always calls me ogd he goes man you keep my one i want it to be harder and heavier and i do jamie's the one who's holding me back i keep pushing wow. harder he's the one who says don't Find that balance, man. Yeah. Find that balance between where you're from and where you want to go. And because you've got old fans and new fans, bring them along. You're the guy who can bring along some of these older fans and introduce them to new things. And I didn't realize that it was such a big deal to bring Corpse Grinder in. He was stunned. He couldn't believe that I wanted him on my song. And I only found out, realized after that nobody from my generation ever reaches out to that side. Right. If anything, wow. they look down at it and make fun of it. Oh, it's Cookie Monster vocals. They don't take it seriously. I'm a metal fan. I love it all. It all has its place. And uh, and I said, this is a great place to bring Corpse Grinder in. And one of the great things I've heard, I got a friend who's an old school fan. He goes, I really don't like that death metal singing. But I got to admit, it really sounds cool on uh, Time to Shoes. I'm like, it does. Right. It sounds great. Yeah, it yeah, sounds it, great. It works. It works. Right on. And kind of a, a, a random jump back into your past. I read a quote recently from Bruce Dickinson of Iron Maiden, and he was talking about Clive Burr. And he said, Clive was the best drummer Maiden ever had. That's not taking anything away from Nico. It's just that Clive had this incredible feel and you can't learn that. And I know you did some work with, with Clive. Can you talk a little bit about your experience with him and Desperado? Yeah. And Clive played the ill-fated Desperado. We worked on that project for three years together. Uh, the late Clive Burr, such a, a sad situation. Such a great drummer. We're so honored to have him. Interesting, very, and I, and I hear what Bruce is saying, and I don't disagree by any means. I mean, he created the template for every Maiden song from there. I mean, right. as far as I'm concerned, Nico, and a great drummer, but Nico is saying, okay, this is what an Iron Maiden drummer does, and I will continue on this path. It was defined by Clive Burr, but Clive was the only drummer I ever worked with who couldn't finish his drum parts till he knew all the words. Wow. That's and interesting. I was like, he's like, dude. And, and, and when you're, when you're writing songs and you're in the studio, a lot of times the words are not finished until like that day, you know, you're making adjustments and you're changing and Clive got, okay, mate, mate, the English guy, where, where's the words? When are they going to be done? Where? I'm like, why do you, what's with the lyrics? He goes, I need the words, man. That I work from the words. Wow. Most that's interesting. Work the yeah. bass player. They work off the guitar. They work off the rhythm. Clive was working off the, the words and the melody and the vocals. And if you watch Clive play, you'll see him singing 
along with the tracks. He knows all the words and he is singing along. That's where he got his inspiration. Never met a drummer like that before or after. And I think it explains quite a bit about his unique style, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for sharing that. And I did want to just kind of dive back too into Twisted because I recently was listening to, I guess it's the extended bonus, you mentioned bonus tracks, the extended version of uh, You Can't Stop Rock and Roll. And a live track came up, which was interesting because it was a leader of the pack a few years before you, you did the studio version of it. And it was a live version, I believe from 1983 in London. And I have to admit it was so heavy and powerful that I, I really liked that live version, I think better than the studio version you ended up doing Understand. later. Understand. And, yeah. and could you talk a little bit about that song yeah. and what happened with it? Yeah. I thought that, and you know, and, and, releasing recording and releasing leader of the pack and the video we did was the, probably the biggest career mistake I ever made um, for a variety of reasons. The, and uh, which we, which I may or may not get into while we start this conversation, right. talking metal, but, yeah. uh, but it was a song that we've been playing from the club days and people loved it. So if to me, uh, and you know, and we, and we played it so heavy, like it's only rock and roll, but I like it. Or, we never recorded a studio version of that Stone song, but it, you, people have heard live versions, right. very aggressive. And we were playing that in the club. So when it came to that album, I was like, you know, we had, and we had released it also, wasn't it on Rough Cuts? And yeah. It's on the, yeah. yeah. So yes. it had already been there. And I thought it was a natural song to do, but the version on the album, regrettably, much as I love our producer, Dieter Dirks, was too processed too clean, too poppy sounding. It lost all that rawness and toughness that we had given it in our live concerts. The tempo was Earth. slower too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The tempo was slowed down. Yeah, we were like, dan, dan, dan. It was almost punk. Right. Yeah, it. yeah, it was. So I really, and I, again, I, I have always take responsibility because I was there and, um, you know, and I could, as I just pointed a finger at Dita Jerks, but I don't want to say I could have said, no, 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 man, it's got to be faster. It's got to be faster, you know, and I didn't. And it was a missed call on my part because it was a great cover. Yeah, It was just the wrong version that we recorded. And it it was detrimental to our career. Right on. And as far as the Twisted guys go, are you in contact with them much anymore? Do you talk to them much? All the time. Uh, We retired in 2016. We see each other. I mean, I'm on the West Coast, they're on the East Coast, but still Eddie's in Nashville now. But we have a little chat groups, we're texting, we're sending jokes. We're, we were just constantly, as a matter of fact, I recorded, um, there's a tribute album to Leslie West Mountain coming out. And Leslie, Eddie, me, Rudy Sarzo, and Mike Portnoy did oh, the cool. theme for an imaginary Western, which was this big ballad that Jack Bruce from Cream wrote for, for, for Mountain. So, you know, um, and you know, uh, I, I, um, Mendoza called me. He asked, "Could he come to the live stream?" And I said, "Will you come up stage?" So we're gonna do something together. And I, I think we're gonna do it. Awesome. The, I wanted to come under the blade. So we're still friends. And just for people say, "So are you going back?" Whatever. Been zero talk, zero consideration. Um, I JJ manages the band now because it's still a legacy. This is royalties and merchandise and and. I'm sure he gets phone calls. I'm sure he gets offers. He has not told us about one. He's not waved candy in our faces. Like, guys, so-and-so, if we could get, you know, not a word because the band is not of the mind to do that. 
We really right. feel like we're done. Right on. You got to respect that. And let's talk about the movies. Last time I spoke with you, you were hinting that there were some movies, possibly a remake of a classic movie and another movie you were working on. Can we get an update on on your movie yeah, work? Um, Strangeland uh, sequel has been a thorn in my side and such a frustration. So because for it's been over 20 years, it was initially greenlit immediately after the first one. And then the company that I was with I wound up getting indicted by the federal government and my oh, property wow. was seized for seven years. It took me seven years in the courts to get back the control, which I did. Um, so then I started trying to find homes for it. And I had a number of false starts, companies that wanted to make it and wound up crapping out. So right now it's in a not moving mode. Uh, but I am, I've written a new scary movie called My Enemy's Enemy. Uh, very powerful, a very new direction for horror by the way Strangeland was well this is a new one and uh the producers of the halloween franchise are making it oh cool and i'm cool. directing so i was actually supposed to start this fall but they moved up the schedule on the next halloween movie you got halloween kills coming out in october with jamie lee well there's a third it's a trilogy i don't know if i'm supposed to say that and uh and they're so they want to get that ready to come out, you know, they're done. So they pushed me back to spring. But uh, I'm also working on a horror television show with the production people, production company that does uh, does Halloween as well. So we got that cool. in development. So it's really cool. And I'm, but the point of all that is, I'm hoping that once I get my foot in the door and I start producing things that they like, I can say, listen, I really want to make Strange Land too. Uh, and I think I'm not the only person who's done that in this business where they've had a little pet project of theirs that they eventually were able to bring back once they uh, once they became more successful with other things. Right on. Right on. And you mentioned a TV show. Is that like a series or a one off special or can you really series. say a series? OK, <laughs> it's a cool. series. Um, again, a fresh new idea. They're very excited. Uh, got that kind of mind. And uh, also, I've co-created a children's animated uh, show that Peacock Network is, uh, it's NBC, is developing right now. Because uh, that was, motivation on that one was like, I was tired of wanting to shoot myself in the head, listening to my, my kids and now my grandkids' TV shows. The worst music ever. Right. And when I went in there and I, I, I write the songs for it and we pitched it to people, they're blown away by the songs. They go, these are so good. And I said, you know why? And they said, why? I said, because I actually wrote hit songs and have hit records. I said, the Wiggles, what did they do before they became the Wiggles? They failed <laughs> as a rock band. And after failing as a rock band, they said, well, then I guess we'll write songs for kids. So right, I mean, right. obviously, you, you know, you, 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 you sign shit, you're going to get shit. So um, I promise, my promise is it's called Monsters Rock. There's a monster tie in there. And uh, you will not want to kill you. Take your own life when your kids are watching the damn show on the TV awesome. in, the, in the minivan and you hear the song over and over and over, you will not want yeah. to kill yourself. Yeah. I've been there. Promise. I've been there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've been there. I got the kids. I got the minivan for sure. D it's always a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for your time. We cannot wait for the new record. It hits this Friday. We will have links up in today's show notes for that. And then the live stream the day before Thursday, we'll also have uh, links where you can get tickets for that in the show notes for this podcast. Thank you, sir. I appreciate your time. Pleasure, Mark. Thank you. Bye-bye. 
the one and only D Snyder here on Talking Metal. Big thanks to D for joining us. Without further ado, let's get right into our next interview with Jason McMaster from Watchtower, Dangerous Toys, and Cassius King. Hey, it's Mark Striegel of the Talking Metal Podcast, and it's been a few years. It's uh, 2008 is the last time we spoke with Jason McMaster, and he is back joining me today on the Talking Metal Podcast. Jason, how are you, man? I am great. And yourself? I'm good, man. Now, you have a podcast now yourself, right? I do. The talk Tell us Loud- about that. The Talk Louder Podcast. Uh, one of my songwriting partners in my band Broken Teeth, um it was you know mid lockdown and he got an obs system and started you know learning how to use it and and um had the idea there's this friend of ours david glessner who's a journalist um that lives you know in close by here in central texas and right. uh, he's been a long time we're we're all simpatico and uh, we're all dudes hanging out all the time and um when me and uh metal dave as everyone knows him david glessner metal dave right uh, when we when anyone who's has metal in front of their name i can hang out with them right (laughs) right on we we can hang out with them yeah um because you know you know what the conversation's gonna be so me and him start going and the whole room disappears you know, we right. just start talking about it's it's nerd fest, right? Right so, on. Yeah, and uh, Jared Tootin, uh, Broken Teeth guitarist, who's also the producer and and like I said, co-songwriter in Broken Teeth. Um, uh, he's like, "Hey, you you guys should do a podcast." And he's not talking to us in the same room. It's like a text message or something. And I'm like, "Hey, that sounds fun," you know, and um. And it would just be a conversation. We come up with a topic and we keep hitting the ball over the net till we wear out. And then we, you know, come up with an intro song. And I was like, man, that sounds awesome. So we start doing and uh, we're about 50 episodes in. Wow. And each episode is, God, it's a, it's a death defying over two hours, close to two hours. Some of them are longer and it's, whoa, you think 50 episodes out of, a basic two hour pop. That's a lot of hours. That is, that is cool. And this is up on Apple podcasts and Spotify and all the normal podcast providers. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Give uh, us the name of it again. The name of the podcast. uh, Talklouderpodcast.com is the website. It's called talk louder podcast, the talk louder podcast, talk louder. I think there's a, a cover band called talk louder somewhere, but just make sure podcast is in there and you'll find it. The website again, www.talklouderpodcast.com and all the links are on there. Very cool because I, I actually haven't heard it yet. I just saw it on your website when I was researching oh, cool. you. So I will be subscribing yeah. and, and giving it a listen. Yeah, we, we started out with just like doing like a Wayne's World, you know, Beavis and Butthead kind of like back and forth, like I, like I said, and um it was a lot of fun and we were doing that and we were just going and going and going and going and then we decided that we would jump off the cliff and start having guests well to fast forward i'm very excited we're interviewing denko jones tomorrow oh cool i love denko jones he sang on one of my my, one of my broken teeth records and we just uh, fascinated with the man and his songwriting and just his whole thing 
and he's an author and he's a, he's, he's just a badass. And, uh, but we're, we're interviewing Simon Wright. Oh, uh, sure. ACDC fame and yep. Dio and yeah, many other things. Everybody. Yeah. Pat Travers. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we're, we've got John Gallagher from Raven. Um, we interviewed Tommy Price who played in Scandal, Joan Jett. Oh, wow. And Billy Idol. Cool. Uh, uh, yeah, there's some cool, we started getting some really cool and without even trying, without a publicist, without a, we're just looking at people up. Hey dude, you want to be, and it's, it's a lot of fun. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. The talk louder podcast, right? Correct. Excellent. Excellent. And there is all sorts of music going on with you always. It seems like I know when I spoke with you back in uh, 2018, there was numerous new releases going on at that time. New stuff happening right now with you. Of course, you have, I think, a brand new record that just came out. Can you tell us about that? Uh, referring to the Godzilla Motor Company? Yes, record? I am. Yes. Godzilla Motor Company, it's kind of a strange sort of whiplash uh, story. Started in 98 and lasted until 2003. Um it's uh, some guys that I, you know, it's it's some bros from around, you know, Central Texas. Uh, originally, Bobby, the guitar player, Bobby Landgraf, uh, he was in Down with Philip Anselmo. Yes. He has a band called Honky. Uh, he, um, and, and I, I had multiple things happening at the same time, even back in the late 90s when this came together. The, there's a guitar, I played bass and sang in, in Godzilla. Uh, guitar player Chris Connolly is from Detroit originally, and the drummer is from here in Central Texas, who uh, me and my younger brother grew up with. Uh, original uh, drummer was Ben Burton, who ended up on the record as a, as a man named Eric Tatuaka. Uh, 16 songs from that era found the hard drive over the lockdown. Jared wow. Tooten, who I mentioned earlier, we gave it all to him. He re remixed and mastered that the sessions from 2002. Okay, wow. Uh, and it just came out because it never came out. The band broke up, you know, Spinal Tap, Drummer, Merry-Go-Round, Story. Um, and I had Broken Teeth going. He had Honky going. He later went on to record and tour uh, with Down. And I had, a, you know, I just, I'm busy all the time. Anyway, it was easier to walk away. It just, we kind of got fed up with the project, but I will say this, some of the best metal I've ever written. It, it really is fierce stuff. I was listening to it. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, you're on fire. It's timeless. Thank you for saying that. It's timeless. And I love playing my bass and singing, which I don't get to do very often anymore. Right on, right on. They and I've also. On, they can get that on Bandcamp. It's a okay. band camp. It's really everywhere. It's on Amazon and all that. And Godzilla is spelled a little bit different. We'll uh, we tell trouble. the people. We oh, trouble. you did. Okay. Yeah. In uh, in 2000, when they released that terrible Godzilla movie, 2000 with the uh, uh, Ferris Bueller was in it. Okay. Right. Yeah. Ma and, uh, uh, Matthew Broderick. Right? Yeah. yeah. That's him. That's him. And, uh, you know, it's pretty terrible, but I still watch it. Cause I like Godzilla, but anyway, right uh, we, you know, we had the original spelling. Well, we got cease and desist letters, you know, stacked. Really? Spelling. Wow. Yeah. They, they were, they were doing, starting to do press, uh, in like 99 for that movie. And they found us online. And of course we were selling shirts and, 
and, you know, burnt CD. We didn't really have, we never really had an official release, which is why uh, we finally decided to do it just because the shit rocks. So right on. Decided to put it out. Godzilla, uh, G-A-H-D-Z-I-L-L-A. So when you're right. looking for that online, that's your spelling. We'll yeah. have it linked through today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. Yeah, the original artwork, uh, the artwork that's with the the release is the original artwork from way, way, way back then. I kept those files on a disc for over 20 years. Finally right got to use them. Yeah. Right on. And another thing I'm very excited about, I've heard some of the tracks, they sound great. You are teaming up with my, uh, my buddy from New Jersey here and his name is Dan Lorenzo. And I think he said this is going to be his 20th album. The guy also releases a ton of music and I've heard some tracks, great stuff. Cassius King. Can you tell us about your collaboration with Dan Lorenzo? It's interesting because last time I think we connected, it was Alan Tecchio who, who connected us. And this time it's uh, another former Hades guy, Dan Lorenzo. Let's talk about what you're working on with Dan. Well, I've, uh, I think that I'm officially an honorary member of the state of New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, uh, because uh, Alan replaced me in um, 1988 when I joined Dangerous Toys. I left Watchtower and joined Dangerous Toys, and Alan joined Watchtower and literally within weeks was on a plane to Berlin with with you know walk on a cassette Walkman listening to my dim my Watchtower demos, learning my my songs. Right. And to go record with Watchtower over there. And then here we are. I mean, you know, even though decades later, I'm, I've teamed up with Dan to be, it's, it's kind of like I'm in Alan's band and Alan's in my band kind of in this right. weird, weird sort of uh, other world. Yeah. And me and Alan laugh about it all the time. You know, me and Alan are still close. Alan Tecchio used to write me letters and we were the, doing the pen pal thing back in the mid to late eighties when Hades was a, was a new band. And, um, and Dan was always just kind of over there and like, it was kind of like, Hey dude, you know, but me and Alan, the singer had the singer connection going on and yeah. And, um, and then Alan was all, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Dan was always cool. And then, you know, God, like 12, 13 years ago, he started sending me songs. Hey dude, you want to sing on this? And I'm like, sure. If I can find a five seconds to listen to it, you know, it was kind of, there's always something I'm still not caught up. I'm never caught up. There's always something for me to work on or a song I'm writing and to fin I need to finish da, 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 all day long. But, um, yeah, this stuff came to me in a good, uh, time. Uh, the Cassius King, he's, you know, he's been busy with vessel of light and keep me, keeping me abreast on all of that. And, and I think, uh, Nathan, his singer in vessel of light actually just moved to Austin for the second time. I think he lived right. Here yeah. He, yeah. He was in a band called, or still is called ancient wisdom. Yeah. Yep. Great band. And, uh, yeah. And then, um, so I thought that that was kind of this also sort of six degrees of separation as well. Right. Yeah. Uh, but he sent me the tracks and, uh, you know, it, it just sounded like, don't take this the wrong way, but you know, Oh, another Dan riff. I can tell that's Dan a mile away. Um, and, you know, he just kept them coming. And I was like, yeah, let me let me start dusting this stuff off. And I started writing melodies and I had a, some, you know, I've got in my office where you see me now, there's just stacks of, of unused lyrical ideas and some of them fit. And then some of them, 
were inspired by just what I was hearing, right? So um, 10 songs and a couple of cover songs later, here we go. I actually did uh, Big Eyes, the Cheap Trick cover. I actually did that like a year ago. Okay, right. So that just ended up as a bonus track on the CD. Yeah, and the Along CD, again, the, is called Field Trip, right? Field Trip. Field Trip, which uh, is taken from a partial lyric, a song called Leave of Absence. And uh, Jimmy Shulman, the bass player in this project, um, he, uh, he and I collaborated on a few lyrical ideas. And he, he jumped in when we were trying to come up with, we were trying to name the album. You know, hey, we got this pet. We got to name it, right? So... Um, the iron the irony here is that the song "Leave of Absence," the first working title I had was "Field Trip," so I scratched "Field Trip" and called it "Leave of Absence," and then later, weeks later, we're trying to name the record, and Jimmy pops in and goes, "How about Field Trip?" I don't think Jimmy ever knew that "Leave of Absence" was originally called "Field Trip," so that's kind of wow. Cool. Yeah, and I I will also mention drums on the record. You have a pretty yes. significant drummer with a lot of history in the metal world. Can you yeah. tell us who's doing the drums? Ron Lipnicki, who whom I've never met. I've never met Ron or Jimmy, uh, but that's not a surprise because there's other projects I do. I'm I'm in a, a project called Howling Sycamore. We have two full length records out. Uh, and I've never met the, I've never met any of them. So it's, it's kind of the norm now to not yeah. meet, meet the, your project managers. So, uh, yeah, Ron, who everybody knows his is a Jersey staple and he's a madman on the drums. I love his playing. Yeah. Very played with overkill for years and years. Yes. yes. And he's, he's a, he he is a working man's drummer. He is um, perfect for this like dirty, groovy, heavy uh, riffage. He is perfect for this. Right on. Uh, and I love I love his drumming, and uh, uh, I I can't wait to work with Ron again. Now um, the album cover was was done by a man named Claudio Bergman who is infamous for the illustration on Judas Priest firepower. Right, right, yeah. I've, uh, I follow him on Instagram after Dan turned me on to him. It's just some great artwork by this guy, including the album cover for Field Trip. Yeah, yeah, he, he's a, a, a concept artist is what I call him because if you give him, like if you paint a picture with words, he can help that become a reality i had some mock-ups of of the the album art uh field trip and the idea is that there's this an escape the, an escaped mental patient uh i'll call him loony right lunatic right and he's escaped so he's happy but he looks distraught well it's because he's seeing all of these things that we're not able to see he's seeing his friends right his imaginary friends that we don't see but he's wandered into this old uh, crypt or an old uh, cemetery if you will and those are actual when you see the cover art it's actual photographs that claudio took in london about 13 years ago wow this famous uh, london cemetery he he always tells me where where he took those photos and i can't 
think of the little town township or the the name of the cemetery, but I guess I should learn that and memorize that. <laughs> right, uh, right. But it came out it came out really cool, and um, he's also he's a photographer as well as an illustrator. And I always going in, I thought he was going to doodle this stuff and sketch this and make this great painting, but it didn't happen that way because of time constraints. He said, well, I have to use photographs and I hope that's okay. And I'll, I'll find a model and a friend of his modeled for, you know, I, we, you know, the, the hospital gown vibe and he's, right. you know, freaking out in the cemetery. And then you turn the cover, you turn the back cover art, you know, you look at the back cover and then you see these demons and monsters and lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, that he's imagining or that are his friends or from past lives or whatever. And he's seeing those things in the cemetery and on the front cover. We don't see them on the back. You, we see. Right. Them. Yeah. I like the concept there. You're seeing what, what he's seeing in his mind. Good stuff. Some of it, yeah. He's yeah. even seeing more than that, but you know, his right. childhood and things like that. But you know, we, we don't want to give it all away. So. I hear you. I hear you. I do want to get an update on some of your other, uh, projects that you mentioned, like how, Howling Sycamore, that's what you were on last time back in 2018 to talk to me about. But before we go there, let's take a trip back in time because I, I realized that we just celebrated the 30-year anniversary of Hellacious Acres, the Dangerous Toys album, which to me was really, really solid record. I hadn't listened to it in a number of years. I just went back and been spending some time with it this week. So many great tunes on there. I mean, it, it opens up with uh, Gunfighter, right? And I'm Bad Guy, Sugar, Leather, and The Nail. So many just strong, strong songs on that record. But in a lot of ways, it didn't have the commercial success that the album before it did. What do you remember about that record 30 years later? Well, they're always going to compare your sophomore effort to your debut, especially if your debut uh, does well. Uh, we were lucky that it did so well during uh, strange times of when, you know, other styles of music turn, turn it into a competition for numbers, right? Um, it didn't sway us by way of wardrobe or tone or sound uh, until about 96, where we made a studio record called The Artist Formal, Formerly Known as Dangerous Toys, where I I played bass and sang. We had lost some members and, uh, you know, the songs were heavier. I didn't, I didn't use the, uh, you know, baby, baby, baby kind of thing The you know, that Robert Plant sort of installed and, and Paul Stanley and right. people like, you know, the butt rock vibe, right. There was a little bit of a different tone on the record. Um, because of what was just happening around us, uh, we, you know, the, there might have been a little bit of trend following going on. Uh, I cut my hair. Now, back to Hellacious Acres, 30 years, that's crazy. Um, came out in 91. We toured with uh, Alice Cooper, Judas Priest, Motorhead, and Metal Church. Uh, we played the Meadowlands near you. Wow, yeah. Uh, on that tour. You know, the about half the record of Hellacious Acres is is decent and still in the set to this day. Um, Sugar Leather and the Nail, uh, Gimme No Lip was a single, Line Em Up. Um, uh, there, there might be one that's just slipping my mind at the moment. But about, you know, like 
Like Gunfighter is good. I like Gunfighter. I like Best of Friends. Bad Guy doesn't do it for me. There's okay. some other ones on there. Like she likes it on top. Um, you know, like I said, just half the record seemed a little mushy or uncooked to me. Uh, and you know, the other half is suitable for the for the set list. And um, to this day, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. we rarely we rarely play a show without you know without at least give me no lip and line them up and sugar leather and the nail right on. And you worked with a pretty significant producer. Correct me if I'm wrong on that record, right? Was it Roy uh, Thomas Baker who had done a lot of just amazing records, like with bands like Queen and stuff? Yeah, Journey, Bad Company, Cheap Trick. Um, yeah, you already said the big one, Queen, but. Uh, he also did those great Cars albums, right? Uh, yeah, like Candy. It was Candy O. I, yeah, I'm trying to, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, and the crazy thing is, is if you listen to some of those classic rock records, and then you t turn on Hellacious Acres, I, f I I forget this sometimes. But when you when you go from like Cars and Journey and Cheap Trick and Queen, and you listen to tones and the way he sort of lines his mixes up and everything. Uh, and then you listen to Hellacious Acres. You actually hear it if you listen to the the vocal intro for "Line 'Em Up." It's an acapella thing, and then you're thinking, "Wow, that's it's." I mean, I, okay, I, I don't sound like Freddie or Xander or you know anybody, but uh, dude, it's you can hear Roy's influence on the tone and the mix and the way that everything's set up. Even guitars, you can hear it. Right on. Absolutely. And great yeah. record. If you haven't heard it in a while, guys, go back and listen to it. Really, in my opinion, holds the holds the test of time. Thank you. And let's talk about where people can get in touch with you online. Can you give out your website? Yeah, uh, it's it's uh, it's better to just, you know, find me on the the old sit on my Facebook. But at okay. the same okay. time, I think that the Jason McMaster dot net will inform you of a lot of past and present. Uh, you know, uh, there's either articles or links about or reviews or things like that about what's going on. Face it, you you found out about the podcast from my website, so that's good. It seems to be working. So JasonMcMaster.net, and um, yeah, just if you want to just find out past and present, you can just Google me too. But there's not really a good sort of email address I I throw out there. I sort of fend my calls via th I, social media is like a uh, a filter for me to, right well yeah right i'm easy you. to find yeah excellent and last time you were on back in 2018 we had a long conversation on hollowing hollowing sycamore and How, howling if, like howling howling yeah, 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 yeah. howling sycamore yeah. what's the what's the update on that i know there's been two releases at this point yeah, there's um they were both on prosthetic records. Uh I guess that second record, um Seven Pathways to Annihilation, uh had uh, a guest solo by Marty Friedman and I think that it sort of uh dabbled in what the first uh the debut record had with it, but it actually went even more sort of ethereal and uh, had some other soundscapey kind of prog doomy kind of thing happening. Um, there is a song uh, on ba the back burner, a single, if you will, 
uh, that's waiting for my vocals to be recorded. Uh, it's not necessarily, um, I, I need to get on it. I'll <laughs> make right. myself sound lazy, but I'm, I'm super oh, excited. You got so much music always coming yeah. out. Lazy is not a word I would, I would use okay, to describe that, Jason fair. McMaster. That, that's fair. Thank you very much for, for the vote there. The, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to working on it. I just feel like um, I have to be in the right sort of frame for it, and it's it's coming. I can feel it. Uh, it's kind of a darker place because of that. That material is dark. Right, right on. Yep, I can't wait. Uh, let's do maybe a lightning round on some of your other stuff because we do have to wrap it up in a few minutes. Yeah. Igniter, what's happening? Yeah. Igniter uh, released a record. Um, when things started to just start to lighten up, we're already in, in, we need to start writing again already, but it, that came out on metal on metal records. That record is called, um, the golden age of black magic is the nice. name of the, the latest igniter record. And, uh, it's available everywhere soon to be coming out on vinyl. So I know people will be excited about that. So that'll kind of almost feel like a reissue because it's some time right. has gone by. Um, but it's probably, you know, everybody says, oh, my new record is my best record, you know, but I really do think with the reviews and everything, I really do think that other people are starting to be, to believe that it is, it really is the best Igniter record. Igniter's been around a long time. Uh, and uh, the record before that was called Haunted by Rock and Roll, another fantastic record. And it's the, it's the same lineup. So that's why I think it's cohesive and and strong. The, right on. By Igniter. Broken Evil Teeth, Unite. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, Broken Teeth put out a live record during Broken the lockdown. Teeth, right? Yeah, Broken Teeth, uh, hard rock band. We've got like eight or nine releases out now. We do have a box set available from our website, brokenteeth.com. Um, you can get all the old stuff as well as the new stuff. Uh, and the live record was called Evil in the Queue. And it was uh, a live recording from December 2019. Okay. Um, and uh, we were supporting Junkyard uh, here in Austin, Texas, at a really cool venue uh, called 310 Live. And um, that's available everywhere as well. Everywhere. Amazon, whatever. Yeah. Evil in the Cube, Broken Teeth Live. Ten songs. Um, we're starting to write again as well. Um, Evil United is kind of on hiatus at the moment. Um, members of that band have other projects going on, just like I okay. do. Okay. Yeah. And uh, but there's three records you can buy in a box set called Temptation, and you can just look that up. Evil United. If you don't know that, there's a, a debut, a second record called Honored by Fire. Both of those records uh, have. Uh, San Antonio metal uh, god uh, by the name of Don Van Stavern, who's known to be the uh, last sort of uh, uh, member who's pushing the band Riot. Right, and, okay. Uh, he's okay. been in, in Riot since the Thundersteel era. And um, he's, got a, he's got a new version of Riot that's just killing it. And we just had Don on my uh, on my po podcast, Talk Louder podcast, and so uh, talking about all that kind of stuff. You know, it's like, well, 
I like the old Riot, and that and he's fine with that. But you know, there's been like these different versions of Riot, and you know, he he takes a lot of heat for that. So it was a good a good interview. But Don was in uh, in Evil United until until Riot just kind of blew up, and he was right. on tour all the time and riding with those guys. So, uh, but the third record, Serpent, is probably sorry, Don, my favorite. Uh, just as far as the songwriting, I think we nailed the songwriting on. Uh, on uh, Evil United Serpent. And uh, anything else? That we can- well, I just wanted to, before I let you go, last time we spoke a, a lot about your, your teaching, and I was just curious, are you still doing teaching? you working with School of Rock still? Yeah, 15 years now. Wow, congratulations, man. That's Thanks. great. It's, it's really great. It, it kind of helps me uh, take my own medicine, you know, believe my own sort of like theories on, on how uh, singers should, you know, breathe and, and, you know, use, used voice, you know, work on voices that, you know, like here, here's a scenario. If you were a student and you say, yeah, I don't want to do that because I don't like the way my voice sounds, you know, up there or down there or whatever the, the place is in question. And that's when I say, well, then that's exactly what we need to work on. Don't you think? Right, right, yeah. Places you're uncomfortable, you need to learn how to be comfortable there. Yeah, it reminds me of the you know face your fear type of thing. You know, if you're exactly because it's yeah. kind of it's kind of real that you know that's kind of what life is is you know you, you got to jump in the deep end sometime. Right Can't on. Just sit around in the baby pool being an old man. Right on. Well, Jason, it's great talking with you. And again, the new Cassius King music is sounding. Great field trip is the record. We'll have links up in the show notes. Uh, saw Dangerous Toys, I guess it was, I want to say 2017, 18, somewhere around there at M3. And wow, that was such a, a fun set you guys did. Did you just play M3? No, we, we were, were going we, to. And then yeah, you, we were yeah. booked and then we opted out. Uh, we didn't really, to be honest, and I, no, there's no harm in saying we didn't really like our slot. It was too early. Right. It was just really, really early. Okay. And uh, and just other things. One thing I want to throw in, uh, there's just been a show announced in Selen- Selens Grove, Pennsylvania. I am uh, happy to be able to announce that I am fronting Dirty Looks. Oh, wow. Okay. Dirty Looks, uh, Atlantic Records, Cool from the Wire. Right. Uh, Turn of the Screw, Fame. Henrik Ostergaard, lead vocalist and main songwriter. It's Dirty Looks was his band and his baby. Um, we were friendly. Um, he died about 11 years ago and a uh, huge loss because he was still doing it. Uh, he had some health problems and things like that, but he was still doing a version of Dirty Looks. Uh, Paul Lydell, who's on the cool from the wire and the turn of the screw and five easy pieces, as well as Jack Pyers. Uh, and uh, Gene Barnett, all three are on both of those major label releases. It's them, and David Beeson from Broken Teeth is going to play rhythm guitar just so I can focus on on those nasty Henrik vocals. Right on. We are playing September 18th uh, at Selens Grove Speedway in Pennsylvania. Very good. Okay. We'll have to Google how far that is from New Jersey. Maybe I'll, yeah. maybe I'll be, maybe I'll be there. It's a few hours. I think Dan was uh, jokingly thinking about attending as well. Right, right on. Jason, it's always great talking with you and we appreciate your time and uh, look forward to speaking to you again in the near future, I hope. And also looking forward to Field Trip by Cassius King with you and, and Dan Lorenzo. Thanks so much. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. Big thanks to Jason McMaster for joining us. Interviewed him a number of years ago. Interviewed D a number of years ago. Like both those guys. And they're a good interview. They're fun to talk to. So, that's that. I appreciate everyone listening to this podcast. Thanks for listening to my rant about the Woodstock 99 thing. And we will talk to you next time on the Talking Metal Podcast. Check me out, markstriegel.net, M-A-R-K-S-T-R-I-G-L dot N-E-T. Later. Later.